0: countdown. It's a pretty cool app, hey? Yeah, first time I've used it. Well, yes, I did a lot of research. And what I found was one of the hardest things is that people on the other end of these calls generally don't have a microphone that will plug into a computer. So this, Uh yeah, um, at least this way, most people have headphones for for their phone. So it's at least you can get an app for your phone. So that's why this one's a good one. Got it. And I did it on my desktop. You're on your desktop now. Yes. This is riveting conversation. <laughs> this is this is what all the people are here for to listen to.
1: <laughs>
0: um, I we're going to start out <laughs>
1: slow and boring and we're going to end exciting. So everyone needs to stay till the 59 minute mark because something cool is going to happen then
0: look this is this is the equivalent of like the way that you race you're you're a slow burn at the start and then right at the finish that's when you you get all the glory is that fair to say yeah I
1: definitely race I I, yeah I'm a diesel I just get warmed up by the (laughs) six hour mark I need a six hour (laughs) warm-up
0: that's how I feel every day that i wake up six hours to warm up then you're firing on all cylinders (laughs) Totally, like right now, we're about six hours into the day for for me. <laughs> um, now we we're just discussing this. This podcast take takes about an hour. Uh, you you are in off season at the moment. Um, where where are you at with uh with a glass of wine or a beer or you comfortable? Yes, I'm definitely comfortable.
1: It's six p.m. and at five p.m. I always not always, but yeah, pretty much always <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Pour myself a glass of red
0: wine. Oh, good. Yeah.
1: So, uh, actually, my sister and her husband own a winery, and we were there a couple weeks ago in Portland, and they sent us home with a few bottles. So, I actually opened a bottle of my sister's Gamay Nouveau wine. So that's what uh, I'm having.
0: Oh, actually, wow! It, well,
1: it's, it's her and my brother-in-law's, but I would say my brother-in-law is the one that brewed it, or not brewed it. Bre- a <laughs> <Like in> brewery. <laughs> Chris, my husband also works at a brewery. So we've got beer
0: on one side and wine on the other. It's a perfect mix. Oh my gosh. I really need to visit you. <laughs> exactly. That and uh, to meet the the famous Chimmy.
1: Yes, she's very famous. And I, I haven't even put this out to the world yet, but Ooh. Chimmy is on a food bag now. New low pet food, featured Chimmy on the cover of their latest uh, large breed puppy bag. So Chimmy's quite full of herself these days. (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
0: So, yeah, yeah, like so she's a a child actor, child prodigy model.
1: Exactly. And we had to sign a non-compete agreement that we wouldn't actually go to another food brand. So, oh, my gosh, (laughs) it's official. (laughs) They mean business. (laughs)
0: Wow, that is very serious. So is she sort of prima donna, you know, um, acting up these days? Uh, Well, she's acting up today. I was saying before we actually hit record that uh, Chris
1: went fishing for the day and Jimmy and Chris are attached to each other like Velcro, but he went on a guided (laughs) fishing trip, which he doesn't do. Most of his stuff is do it yourself, not with a guide. But today he randomly went with a guide. And so no dogs were allowed. And Chimmy <gasps> stayed home with me today, which like you would think, oh, great. I get to hang out with mom all day today. But um, yeah, she's just been moping around the house. She's just a lost cause with Chris gone. So, <laughs> oh, daddy's yeah. go. Yeah, for sure. But actually <laughs> one other funny Chimmy story, and then I'll let you start asking questions is that, uh, so off season for me is actually in season for Chimmy. So her exercise has gone up like tenfold because we go on these, uh, hardcore snow and aerobic hikes up in the mountains and stuff because that's I'm not working out. So I got to expend the energy elsewhere. So it all goes into chimneys. So off-season for me is in-season for the
0: dog. <laughs> right. So yeah. does with all this extra exercise, is, d- does she like lose weight over the winter? So do the complete opposite to everyone else as well?
1: Exactly. No, she just uh, – we up her food. Like she actually is starting to look a little slim, so we've increased her food. But she's – dead to like so tired every night it just falls over it puts herself to bed so I'm doing a good oh job <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's funny that you say oh I'm just going to say one more story about Chimmy and then I'll let you ask questions uh, we as you know put out on social media saying that we're having a chat and if anyone had any questions send them through and I would yeah. say 70% of the questions were about your dog Okay. We could talk about it. I mean this really could be the Chimmy podcast if we need it. <gasps> oh my gosh. And then we can get Henry involved. Yeah, And it can be the Chimmy and he- that was one of the questions. When can Henry and Chimmy meet? Oh my gosh, I know they need to.
1: I need to meet <laughs> Henry. Actually I'm kind of upset that I haven't met Henry yet.
0: Yep, yeah, fair enough. He's upset as well. And he's currently uh he's sitting on the bed oh, which is where I'm recording. And uh, he's facing the opposite direction. So, he's he's pretty filthy on you that you haven't met him yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, he seems like a legend.
0: <laughs> so much attitude in uh, our four-legged friends. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, I just realized that I haven't actually introduced who you are. So, But I'm pretty sure everyone knows who it is as the mother of Chimmy. This is <laughs> Lin- Lindsay Corbin. Um, I'm going to call you the people's champion. How does that Does that sit okay with you? Yeah, sure.
1: (laughs) I'm (laughs) flattered. I'm actually like now blushing that you said that, but thank you. That's a, I mean, I'm not going to be able to compete with a a Riff or a Rennie. So if I could be any champion, a people's champion is a great champion (laughs) to be called. So thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but also, also, you are a champion of many uh, races. You've won plenty in your time. What number Iron Distance wins are you up to? I'm up to eight, so not not too shabby at all. But the reason I was saying you're the people People's champion is whenever we post something about you, um, the the comments and the feedback are always you know four or fivefold to many of the other athletes that we post about. Um, and I, I don't know, like I see it as you. You appear to be really quite relatable, uh, I guess, through your social media, but when people meet you in person as well. So that's from my from my point of view looking in, that's why I'm calling you the people's champion because people just tend to gravitate towards you.
1: Cool. Well, thank you. I guess I'm doing a good <laughs> job then. But, you know, I have to work at it. Uh, like ah. a, a theme or a, something that has been told to me this year is uh, owning your story. And sharing that yeah. story with other people. And I think that with how social media has gone, I used to not think twice about stuff I'd post or do. And now I constantly find myself overthinking it. And it's like, I mean, the, the, to me, the rule of social media is just be yourself, right? Yeah. That's, that's what people want to hear. And it's, it's easier on yourself if you can just be comfortable in your own skin and just be your own self. But, um, I think it's getting harder and harder. It feels like.
0: For me to, to be yourself, uh, without overthinking it. Do you mean,
1: uh, no, I don't think it's hard to be yourself. Like I definitely have no problem being myself, but sharing your own self with other, you know, mm. like if you share about, about, if you share about a bad race or a bad workout, then you're thinking, Oh, what are people going to think? How's that going to come across that type of thing? Mm. Yeah.
0: yeah. or if well. something
1: Controversial. Like, uh, I actually shared a social post earlier this year of a pig on a barbecue spit and I came across it. It was in the middle of the woods and we were doing a photo shoot for Saucony and literally like no one was around for a country mile and we come across a smoking barbecue. And so I was with another gentleman, Kevney and then Chris was shooting the photos and we're like, what is this barbecue doing here? And we opened the lid and inside of it is a giant pig head on and everything smoking in the middle of the woods for like it'd been in there hours and it probably had another eight hours to go. And yeah. so we took a picture of it of like me with like this shocked face of like, Oh my god, a pig in the middle of the woods, how random. And I yeah. put it on uh, Instagram and said, like caption this. And it went absolutely bonkers. And I got some of the most offensive messages I've ever seen. I had to take it down. Chris was like, "Leave it up. Yeah. You know, you are who you are. Who cares if you eat meat?" But people like someone went, someone brought Chimmy into it. Someone was like, it, "How can you love your dog if you love your dog? How can you uh, be so terrible to animals like this pig?"
0: Yeah, <laughs> not even this. thing. <laughs> I don't. Not even what? Sorry,
1: uh, they aren't even related, right? Like
0: my dog. Oh, totally.
1: I don't know. Just because I'm a dog yeah. lover, don't I think I should be able to eat meat too? I don't
0: know. Uh, Oh, I completely agree with you. Do you – so, okay, can we 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 talk about that a little bit more?
1: Nine minutes in and we're just getting (laughs) right into
0: it. (laughs) Uh, Well, look, I plan on solving all the world's problems by the 13th minute mark, Mm -hmm. so let's absolutely uh, keep going on this trajectory. But so when you say you received a lot of uh, negative messages – and obviously you you had to think whether to take it down and i'm sure that was a bit of a battle and obviously it was between you and chris he suggested not taking it down but how did it how did it actually make you feel that um you know and i've just said you're the people's champion and generally everything is really quite positive and then you've you've struck a nerve uh, with certain people and just because they're offended doesn't mean they're correct um which is i think that's one of the greatest quotes I don't know who originally said it, but I know Ricky Gervais says it and I uh, rate him. But h- how did that actually make you feel personally receiving all that negativity?
1: Yeah, it made me feel terrible, which is why I took it down. Yep. Because what essentially what social media is doing is it opens yourself up for judgment if you yep. let yourself feel judged. That's the biggest part is the second part is like if you let yourself be judged. But immediately yep. I took all these negative comments of, these people think I'm a bad person. What are my sponsors going to think? I really yeah. want that person. Now they think I should be a vegetarian. And it's kind of ironic because people post vegetarian things all the time and carnivores aren't sitting there bashing the vegetarian. Like rarely do you see a meat eater bashing a vegetarian. I don't know. I was a vegetarian yeah. for 20 years. So I support yeah. both lifestyles and I grew up in a household where we were raised to try everything, to not judge, to be accepting. Um, Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, you put something up and you get negative criticism. And then all of a sudden, I think more than anything, you just start second guessing yourself. And to me, it was humor. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, maybe this isn't humor. And uh, my knee jerk reaction was, I'm going to take this down because I haven't even gone to bed yet and has like 300 and something comments. And Chris's reaction is like, no, like you are who you are, leave it up. And I was like, I, yeah, like people are bringing my dog into it. I'm done.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, then I think you, from memory, you posted, it wasn't an apology, but more of an explanation, I think, afterwards. Is that right? Yeah. I just basically
1: said that I had a post and that I took it down and I apologized to the people that I had offended because I don't mm-hmm. want to ever offend anyone. I mean, yeah, it's not fun to offend. I guess that there's a difference between, offending people, letting people down. I don't know. I felt bad. Yeah. And, but yeah. then I also had a little bit of regret that I then took it down because uh. like, yeah, I mean, one thing I'm working towards is owning my story and being true to myself. And to me, that wasn't being true to myself. Like right. you had to be there. It was like 30 degrees out, you know, freezing cold, middle of the woods. Like you could hear a dime drop, like nobody's around for a million miles And you come across a roasted pig like, this is crazy. Yeah. I don't know. The picture apparently didn't convey the whole story.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay. So now looking back, do you regret your decision to take it down?
1: Uh, Yeah, I kind of wish I would. I mean, I don't know. I guess I regret it and I guess I don't. I don't know. Part of me is like, yeah, you should have just left it up. Like, people, like, you're yeah. not going to make everyone happy. I'm sure that there's people in the triathlon community or the other outside the triathlon community that don't like my style, um, and then there's plenty of people that like it. And, yeah, I guess yeah. just being true to yourself, you, can, you are never going to be able to please everyone, right?
0: Correct. <laughs> and it, it, is that – I mean, me personally, I feel like I've always tried to be a people pleaser. I definitely uh, get – quite upset if I've uh, offended other people and I'm trying to learn it's something that I need to work on myself um and it sounds like that's something that you've I guess learnt from that post as well is that um you can't you cannot please everyone um but the people that you do please are, are the ones that you're speaking to and um the others they don't they don't need to listen to you they can they can walk away they can unfollow you um but it's a tough, it's a tough lesson.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, I mean, politics and religion and things that people are very passionate about, like I get Mm. that those are kind of areas I just don't really want to get into. I don't know. So I tend to try to be more neutral in that. And I could tell that, I mean, yeah, some people like maybe on a lighter post, you've got people that like it or people that don't, but, um, with that, I could tell I was like really hitting a nerve or a chord with a certain demographic and group of people. And that's where I was like, okay, probably we don't want to yep. go there right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And fair enough. Um, okay. Let's, let's move on to, to other things. Um, not suckling, roasting pigs. Um, <laughs> um so, okay, so you touched on the on the fact of the, the kind of, I, I, I guess, values uh, that you grew up with um, in terms of being true to yourself, um, trying everything, not judging people. Is, is that something that you remember your parents sort of instilling in you from a very early age or is it something that you've, I guess, learnt as you've got a little bit older? Like where, where do you think that they, those kind of um, values originated from?
1: Yeah, no, I think that that stuff definitely comes from when we grew up and it probably was like small stuff when we were growing up. Like For example, we grew up in a household where both my parents cooked and we traveled a lot and were exposed to a wide variety of foods and different things. And it was always like, even when you went to someone's house, you always had to try everything. Like we weren't eating the grilled cheese and quesadillas from the kids menu. We were eating what the adults were eating and you always had to try it. Um, and then, yeah, even, I mean, I guess just, we were raised from our parents were just, you know, to be welcoming to all walks of life, be open to others, be kind to others. So like on sort of a larger scale, I think that that's where that came from. But I think that the things that have bled over to like me as an athlete, such as, always trying not giving up. I mean, I think people definitely know me as like, I give it my all until the very end of the race, which is why I'm usually moving up through the race. But like those things (laughs) I didn't come to know as traits I had in myself until I was older. And now I look back like my mom is extremely stubborn. And <laughs> yeah. I realized that I got the stubborn trait from her. And with that stubborn trait is this never quit attitude and to always try and to always give your best. Um And I also think, yeah. you know, my dad was sort of the athlete in the family. He played college basketball. Like he still plays basketball now and he's in his seventies, you know, like he was always kind of the jock and I, he, I think it. he was the one he did marathons and I think he instilled the work ethic in us and the, um, he's kind of the comedian in the family. He's always in a good mood, always laughing. And I think that the positivity, um, that I carry and the, the never give up that definitely comes from my dad. So it's kind of a good mix of both, but I didn't realize that those like growing up, it wasn't like, you know, my dad sat there and said like, always have fun, you know, try to enjoy yourself, give it your best. Like, I don't remember any of those things, but then now as I've been in my thirties, I look back and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like my mom is just relentless. Uh, she's such a hard worker. Okay, like that's where
0: I probably got that from. So, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's so, so interesting. And, you know, so I ask these kind of questions to to, to so many people, not just on a podcast because I'm fascinated by, uh, you know, by people's upbringing and how it's made them the person they are today. And it sounds like you have really thought a lot about this. Is that – um something that you've consciously done in the last few years or so like you really the way you answered it you you know exactly where you've got uh, a lot of your traits from and i don't think everyone um is like that yeah
1: no i think that well particularly probably in the last couple of years, more thought has gone into it because as much as they're positive traits, they can also tend to be negative. And so I definitely have done some personal work. I'm not going to beat around the bush on that in the last couple of years. And with that work has come these, these epiphanies, but like even just yesterday I was struggling with something completely not related to triathlon at all. And I was chatting to my sister about it and she said to me, we like, us is like growing up, like we were raised to like, always try to always give our best. So you just have to go try with this and like, give it your best. And she's like, what do you do in triathlon? Like you never give up, you're always trying you, like, even when you fail, you come back, you try, try, try again. And she's like, so you need to apply that lesson from triathlon to this area of your life that's completely unrelated. And I kind of had an aha moment and was like, yeah, that's actually a pretty good point, right? Like, yeah, that's just what I do. So Good advice
0: from my sister. (laughs) Nice work. And okay, so it's just you and your sister, they're uh, only siblings, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. And so how – you guys, I know, are very, very close, and it's not just because uh, she makes (laughs) wine for a living, Uh, (laughs) but it's a good reason – have you always been close and how, how are you guys uh, different? Uh, no, we have not always been close. And we, I don't want to say we're complete opposites ah.
1: because now that we get along <laughs> quite well, we see a lot of similarities in each other. But um, I would say right. from like a lifestyle, we're definitely opposite. Like she lives in Portland, Oregon, which is a city. Chris and I live in small Bend, Oregon, which is a mountain town. Uh, she's extremely like yeah. artsy, creative so talented in the kitchen. Um, and I feel like I'm more the science-based mathematician, uh, athlete. Um, definitely like in college and growing up, I was more the athlete in the household and she was more into drama, drama and like speak, speech and debate team. She went into the Peace Corps. Um, I love to travel now, but growing up nice. like I was homebody. I thought traveling was weird she loved like she went to the peace corps she's traveled all over she's fluent in like so many not fluent but she can pick up and speak languages um she's really stylish trendy and i'm always like in sweats and yoga clothes (laughs) so yeah i feel like we are and we don't look (laughs) at all like either like i don't even know who i i sometimes i'm like how am i in this family because i don't look like anyone in my family but yeah she's um (laughs) like shorter curvier super cute look um big, like she's got short curly hair, always has on like gorgeous big earrings. Um, And then yeah, I'm in the like messy bun (laughs) over here (laughs) in my yoga clothes.
0: (laughs) Oh man. I say that as I've, I don't think I've washed my hair in about seven days and I'm still in my gym clothes from, I actually did go to the gym, but I am still in those clothes. (laughs) Oh no.
1: Yeah. We went to the coffee shop the other day and the guy's like, your hair's down it looks so good today and I was like yeah that's because you like never see me yeah. in off season." like he's just used to seeing me with wet hair straight from the swimming pool yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I gave him a little Lizzo hair toss my nails are done yeah I'm looking I'm feeling good today <laughs>
0: <laughs> wait Lizzo is she the a singer no yes yes she's the singer I saw you post something about her today she was eyeing off oh on yeah the feeling I'm always- good as hell yeah <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I was going to say, whenever I have my hair out, which isn't very often, I always get comments, uh, oh, did you just cut your hair or did you dye your hair? And it's purely because they never see my hair out, so no one actually knows what color my hair is.
1: Yeah, I actually do. I think you posted, like, one picture of your hair done and everything. like damn you're looking good Steph
0: (laughs) yeah okay so my out of 10 my theory with this is to just look disheveled most of the time so that when you actually take your hair up so for me it is literally take my hair out I don't really style it or anything people like oh wow you look amazing (laughs) and I actually don't I just look different (laughs) <laughs> yeah um, okay so I want to go back to your parents you said that your dad was the jock uh, into basketball why or how did you get into an individual sport when he you know was into the team sport
1: um I have no coordination first of all I definitely tried <laughs> basketball and I was on the bench basically so <laughs> yeah I am not the most coordinated person if anyone's seen me on the dance floor they're just
0: or, like, no, just stop. Uh, no, you're the, you're the one that everyone's like, nah, at least she's having fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: um, but, yeah, so, um, yeah, I just am not coordinated at all. And I always feel right. like I was just built for endurance, Um like I would do random Nordic ski. Well, I did downhill ski racing. And then every now and then they'd throw us into a Nordic ski event to see if you had any interest in it. And I always like that was my jam was just running. The longer I could go, the better. Hiking, backpacking, those kind of things. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, my parents are also both really into biking. And they do a lot of bike, they don't, uh, they still do some bike touring, but they were going on these like uh, week long bike touring events across the state of Washington across the state of Oregon, and they invited me on a bike tour with them. And uh, the whole reason I went on the bike tour was Chris was working in Alaska at a fly fishing lodge and I was at home by myself and didn't know what I was going to do. Chris was gone and they were like, oh, you should come on this bike tour with us. So I went on a bike tour with my parents and we rode um, across the state of Idaho, I feel like. Wow. I think, Yeah. Anyways, uh, and I loved every minute. And that was sort of my first, I'd ridden a mountain bike and I'd ridden a cruiser bike, but that was my first exposure to riding a road bike. And I absolutely loved it. And I think what I loved most was this sense of empowerment of like you would ride because we were riding through the mountains of Idaho, but you would ride to the top of this mountain and this idea and concept that your own body got you there by yourself and people and cars would drive there. Like that was the coolest feeling ever for me. And I loved climbing and I loved descending because of the ski racing background. And oh. by the end of the six or seven day tour, it turned into a competition for me, which it wasn't supposed to be a competition. But everyone would break down camp and leave for the day. And I would be the last to leave. And then I would just pick people off and pass them going up these passes. And I would be the first to camp. And then I would hurry and like set up the cooler and get my parents tent all set up and get my tent set up. And they'd roll into camp and it'd be all set up. And um, I just made friends as I was passing them on the bike ride. And Uh, yeah, so that was my first sort of exposure to riding a road bike. And I absolutely loved it. And at that point I had also been running. So I knew like, okay, well you can bike and you can run. Maybe you should try a triathlon. And so I had to figure out the swim portion, but, um, that's sort of the somewhat abbreviated version of how it kind of all came together.
0: And, and, and where you
1: grew, sorry, where did you grow up? I grew up in Bend, Oregon, which is where I live now.
0: Oh, okay, cool. So In, uh, in Bend, was Triathlon a, a big scene or? No,
1: not at the time. Like, Bend was yeah. a huge multi-sport town, not multi-sport, triathlon related multi-sport, but, uh, biking, skiing. It's just a super active town. Like now paddleboarding, we have a whitewater surf wave wave, so you can surf here. (gasps) Roller skiing, like name a sport, rock climbing, name a sport, and in Bend, like they have it here. Did you say roller skiing? uh, Roller skiing. So like the skiers in the summer put wheels on their skis so they can ski on the roads.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, and yeah, so I just grew up and we were exposed to a bunch of different sports. But um, yeah, I don't think triathlon, I mean, we have lakes here and stuff, but it wasn't growing up. I don't remember triathlon being a thing. I remember my dad running and I would ride my bike with him while he ran. And then yeah. once we got old, once I got older and faster, it kind of switched and he would ride his bike with me while I ran.
0: So oh, cool. there was
1: a changing of the guard. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I remember, you know, a lot of trail running growing up, mountain biking. Uh, we were huge skiers. My mom was an excellent skier. Um, so we were skiing, I think, at age three. We were – but um, um, that was in California and Tahoe, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. Small detail.
0: <laughs> so so where you live now, it, is is skiing like right at your front door?
1: Um. It's like, no, like this, we have a ski resort here, a mountain, Mount right. Bachelor, and it's a 20 to 30 minute drive. But okay. depending on the winter, like sometimes you can ski in town, like last week or Thanksgiving week, we got two feet and you could literally, people were skiing to the brew pubs. It was epic. Oh
0: my gosh. <laughs>
1: um, but now a lot of that snow's gone and like you could probably ride a bike outside. So I, th- I haven't spent a much time in Boulder, but I think Bend is similar to Boulder that, we'll get snow in town and then it'll go away and then we get snow in town and it goes away. But if you go 20 minutes up from where we live, you can ski from November until April, May. So Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. Far uh, It's just – it's such a – it's a foreign thing for me living in Melbourne because it's <laughs> – Snow. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's – uh yeah, I mean it's a couple of hours drive to get anywhere uh, where you can go skiing and then the, the season is – Quite limited in comparison to, you know, the mountains in the States or Japan or even New Zealand. Yeah. Um,
1: I vividly remember Sarah Crowley seeing snow for like the first time. I think it was last year or two years ago. And she went to Utah and was in like these little kitten heels (laughs) prancing around in the snow. I was like, girl, you got to get yourself some snow boots. But she was doing snow, snow angels. And yeah, I was flicking her crap
0: for. It. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah. We went to the New Aussie York for, in the snow. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we're not we're not so used to it. Um yeah. yeah, we went to New York for Christmas New Year's a couple of years ago and um I was hanging for it to snow in New York. You know, cuz you see the pictures it's in you know every movie about Christmas in the states is practically New York. Yeah. And uh yeah, it snowed but a little bit, but it didn't really settle while we were there, so I was gutted, but Brett, I don't think could have coped he was frozen and it wasn't that bad I don't think he would have coped in the actual snow yeah (laughs) yeah he's um he's he's a summer boy for sure um okay so let's um we spoke about your dad a bit but I want to talk about your mum and you mentioned you get your stubbornness (sighs) from her (laughs) Yeah, but
1: my stubborn's a good word. She may get a little offended that I said that, but for sure, like hard-headed, all of us, like I think all my sister, my mom and I were just independent women. <laughs> like we grew yeah. up in a household of like strong, independent, Um, like my first words were, I do it, I do it. Like I oh. definitely was the independent, I'm doing it myself <laughs> from like the minute I basically came out of the womb. <laughs>
0: I love that. Yeah.
1: I don't know if my parents loved it growing up, but for sure like yeah, I definitely was like uh I knew where I was going and I was taking my own path to get there no matter what. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which I think is still true now.
0: And I bet your parents completely appreciate it now that you're you're a grown up. They can appreciate it more but i imagine it's hard when you're a kid wanting to do your own thing and i'm starting to see that in frankie she's not hard yet Yet. but i can (laughs) yeah i can absolutely see that she's got her own little personality uh she's little miss independent and like she doesn't like even being picked up so much anymore she just wants to do her own thing and walk everywhere how i was like my
1: dad would go in for the hug and i was anti the hugs and yeah, yeah definitely. Right. I had a head of my own and I was sticking to it. <laughs> I
0: love it. Um, and yeah, so the word stubborn the, what I was going to sort of allude to was I, I feel like stubborn does get a bad rap, but stubborn ha- doesn't have to be a negative thing.
1: Yeah, it's totally like glasses half full or glasses half empty, like it's all how you view stubborn. Like, I think stubborn is like when you're in the middle of a three minute hard interval and you're at 2.30 and it feels like hell, like that's when stubborn kicks in and you go all the way to three minutes. Like I think the stubbornness has brought me some great, great things. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a bad, but it, I also like could see, yeah, why it is a bad thing
0: too. <laughs> oh, definitely. And so, okay. So you say that you've got a bit of stubbornness from your mum in terms of, and being, you know, independent and and headstrong and th- all values that I totally rate and respect. Uh, and I think that I've got quite a few of those as well. What, what- we can start a support group. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is the support group for us or yeah. for the people who have to deal with us? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, in terms of coaching and selecting coaches over the years, what what style of coaching do you? I guess, work best with being that you are quite uh, a headstrong person.
1: Yeah. So that's definitely evolved over time, which has been good. Right. I've, I've actually only had three coaches in my entire career. I really? Don't, yeah. And um, they all kind of came in like different places. So my first coach was Lance Watson out of Canada. Mm-hmm. And I um, That relationship was interesting because I'd never, like, I'd always had, like, a running coach or a coach that was there in person. And that was the first sort of long distance coach I had. And I was so new to triathlon. I think I'd only been doing triathlon a year and hired Lance. Um, he was coaching Chris Lieto at the time, Lisa Bentley, like it was, uh, Kim Loffler. I was just starstruck that he would even accept me as an athlete. And whatever Lance said, I basically did. There was no questioning, like, if this is the right thing, if it's not. Um, and I, at the time, like when I stopped working with Lance, I actually didn't like him that much because he was telling me what to do. And I don't like being told what to do, <laughs> but now looking back, I actually love Lance. And like, I see him, you know, before Hawaii, I was saw him like the day before the race at bike check-in, we took a picture together. I gave him a big hug, Chris and him like meet up for beers. So it's kind of funny. Cause I actually Lance like Lance better now than when he was my coach but um, mm-hmm. I thought the coach athlete relationship was definitely Lance told me what to do. And I pretty much did what I was told and didn't question it. So I don't want to say it was like a dictatorship because that's not really Lance's personality, but yeah. looking back, like it was, I got injured a bunch because it was like, I, I was afraid to speak up for I'm tired. Is this right? Is this not right? Um, there was no questioning there. We didn't, we never butted right. heads. It was just kind of like, all right, you want me to ride the trainer for four hours at 200 watts, I'll do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, okay. You're
1: yeah, like- and then my second coach was Matt Dixon with Purple Patch. And, oh, of course. Yeah, and I probably was overtrained coming off uh, working with Lance because I just did everything I was told and never said if I was tired or not. And uh, yeah. Matt sort of introduced me to this idea of recovery. Oh, my gosh, <gasps> like what a concept. <laughs> Weird, (laughs) yes. Um, but I look back with my relationship with Matt Dixon, and my problem with that was that he preached a lot of recovery, but we didn't really use any tools to measure if I was recovering or not. So there wasn't heart rate, a lot of stuff was off perceived effort. And for someone like me, people that are close to me know that I have Chris says I don't have a break on my floorboard, like I'm full gas all the time. (laughs) So even though I was supposed to be doing like recovery rides or recovery runs, I got the concept of them, but it wasn't, I don't think I actually implemented them. (laughs) And I did a lot of, I guess, learning and developing as an athlete and coming into my own personality and learning to speak up for myself and sort of starting to question ideas and philosophies of like, Oh, is this right? Or is this not? Um, and I left, um, Matt, at the end of 2013, I had a couple injuries that year and I had just met, um, a gentleman, Jay DeSherry, who is a physio here in Bend. And Jay helped me out through a stress fracture, um, as I got ready for Kona in 2013. And I did no running before that Ironman Hawaii. I think my longest run was nine miles. And Jay was like, we're going to get you in the gym. We're going to make you really strong. I'm going to make you, you know, have, you're going to have your best marathon ever under me. And fast forward to Kona and I finished 10th, um, the last podium spot. And I ran like a three Oh five marathon off of one nine mile run. And that just opened my eyes to like, wow, there's like a whole nother world of training and ways that the human body can work. And Jay just really was such a positive person to me. And literally after Kona, like Chris and I were having my ties at Don, the beachcombers or whatever Royal Kona And I said to Chris, A, I want to move from Montana and B, I want to get a new coach. What do you think? And he was like, yeah, I'm on board. (laughs) And um, so literally like two weeks later, we came to Bend, bought a house and moved. And then I started working with my current coach, which is Jesse Krapelnicki. And that brings us to now. And I would say that the relationship Jesse and I have is way more um, a collaboration of sorts. And that's definitely evolved. And I think we've worked together five or six years now. And that's evolved since we've been working together. Whereas now I give a lot of uh, early on, I think Jesse was sort of educating me on his philosophies of QT2 and, and how he works. And I definitely did everything he said and followed everything to a T. And I just feel like myself as a person, I have developed more of a voice and become more comfortable with myself to speak up. Whereas I don't think yeah. I had that confidence, not even as an athlete, but as a person, as a human being, as a woman to speak up for myself and be like, I don't think this is right. Or why are we doing this? Um, what does this mean? And so Jesse now has to deal with a lot of questioning. <laughs> Um, which is like good and bad. But he, um, I will give credit to him of of the coaches I've had, he has evolved his training as I have evolved as an athlete and a person. So the workouts I'm doing now are not the workouts I was doing five or six years ago when we met. And I felt that perhaps not to knock them, but the coaching I had under Matt and the coaching I had under Lance was very much the same the whole way through. And people, right. I mean, and I'm now moving into my upper 30s. Like, I'm not the same athlete now that I am now that I was when I was 30, whatever, when Jesse and I started working together, younger 30s. So, yeah. you, you got to evolve or die or whatever the saying is. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> but it's so interesting. Um, you have brought up some really good points is that um, not only are you physically changing uh, as you get older, but you, you are – growing into yourself as as a as a person. And then that changes uh, relationships. So, it's not just a relationship with a coach. It's relationships with friends, with partners. Um, everyone grows and evolves. And I think the key would be is that, um, you know, the, the people around you need to evolve with you in their own way, but evolve as well. Otherwise, you are going to come to a to, you know, to a brick wall.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I will say related to sport that, um, Chris has complimented me a fair amount of like, you know, you should be really proud of yourself that you have been a professional triathlete for 13 plus years now. And a lot yes. of, you've seen a lot of women come and go and you're still competing at the top of the sport. Like you have found a way to evolve. And I think that's both like you're saying, evolving as a person, but also evolving as an athlete because the sport has rapidly changed from when I did Kona in 2006, obviously. <laughs> Unless you're just under a, a rock. Bit. Just, just news just in. The sport's changing for women. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> well, even just on that note, um, you know, I just spent uh, time with Sarah Piampiano in uh, Bustleton, And one of the things she was saying was, um, y- you know, she came second and did an 8 For 840 something um maybe an 850 broke the course record you know five or six years ago she you know she'd be hitting record books and you know with that kind of time it's an incredible time and she still only came second uh you know that's her words yeah that's how much the sport is uh changing and athletes are getting faster and stronger and um, it's exciting. And you've, you've seen that you've been a part of that change. Yeah,
1: no, definitely for sure. Um, and yeah, it is exciting. And I think that it's motivating and that's why I'm still here as an athlete as I'm still improving. And then I see other people still improving and um, it gives you hope. Yeah. It gives you motivation. It gives you inspiration um, to, yeah, to keep going. And it, it's cool to see that the boundaries are just being pushed and um, it, I'm not one to like dream too far ahead, but it is crazy to think like, where are we going to be in 10 years or 15 years? Right. Totally. Uh, I do want to say one other thing too, which I don't even know if this was going to be brought up. I will say (laughs) in the light of um, everything that's come out with Alberto Salazar and Mary Kane and um, Mm. coaching and the coach athlete relationship, I feel super fortunate that, all three of the men that I've mentioned, Lance, Matt, and Jesse, I've had super healthy relationships with. Like I've never oh. once felt that I've never once been told, you know, about my weight. I've never once been put in an uncomfortable position. Um, and, and that's positive and that's encouraging to me. And I just want other people to know if they're in a relationship, coach athlete relationship that like is not right. It doesn't have to be that way. And there's plenty of good coaches out there. That's my soapbox rant.
0: <laughs> well, it wasn't a rant. It was a very positive thing. Yeah. So a positive rant. Yeah. A prant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's, well, that is, first of all, unreal to hear that. Um because let's face it the majority of coaches within the sport are male yeah um and it's nice that you've hit the jackpot in that kind of coach athlete relationship with three out of three of your coaches that's phenomenal um you know um but yeah on that it's It's an interesting. I don't want to say interesting because that makes it sound like it's topical. Because it's it's an ever uh, like it's a conversation that needs to continue to happen. I think Um, that's the whole point. Is that
1: right? There is. I think the conversation isn't happening. Like I think a lot of these issues just aren't even talked about, and they need to start being talked about. Which is why I was like, I'm just going to interrupt you and bring this up as like when we were when we when I was talking about my three coaches, it came to me like. Yeah, this like actually correlates a lot to that, uh, the Mary Kane, Alberto Salazar um, and all the stuff that's come out of that. So we're doing the right thing, just talking yeah. about it right here. So sorry to interrupt, but.
0: <laughs> no, it's not interrupting because I want to actually continue talking about it, um, You know, if you don't mind, in some kind of form, because I love it when people actually even just bring it up. Um, and so th- what, what I wanted to go on and sort of say that, you know, um, the... Mary's Mary's uh, – you obviously watched her video clip where she basically announced what had been happening. Um, such a young voice to be talking about it. Yes. Um, and, yeah, and so like we were talking about just a bit, bit earlier, that you as a person, like you've gotten to know who you are as a person, as a woman, at such a young age to be able to speak up um, – I, anyone who, who feels confident to speak up or eventually finds the confidence to speak up is amazing but especially at such a young age uh, because I have seen things heard things within our industry that we always sort of promote and talk about being this amazing wonderful thing but let's face it these kind of things are happening in our very own sport um, and I feel like the younger women really struggle because they don't know who they are. They um, don't have the confidence to speak up against uh, things that, you know, they at that point in time, they may not even know is wrong. Yeah.
1: No, and I don't. I think if I was in a situation that Mary Kane was in with my first coach, like if Lance had been doing stuff mm. that was not correct or whatever, I wouldn't have had the voice to speak. I wouldn't have known. I would have just done whatever yeah. I was told and been along for the ride. And that's like, it's something that I've had to work really, really hard at is getting that confidence. And I've like, I've talked about it before with close friends like Heather or Chris or people in my inner circle mm-hmm. of like, I wasn't born with the confidence gene. I, I look at some people and I'm yeah. like, that person came out of the womb and they are confident. I, it's something I've had to work at and still work at. Like I have to journal daily and work at it it's not, it doesn't to me come easy. So yeah, I don't know. I, if, if bad things were happening to me when I was in my early twenties, even early thirties, I don't know if I would have had the ability to speak up to that coaching type figure and say, I'm not comfortable with this or this isn't correct. And like, I alluded to that when I said that, like, I would be given a workout of ride the trainer for four hours at 200 Watts. And it was like, okay, whatever you say, (laughs) <laughs> you know yep. so th- i mean who yeah. knows what i would have done if i mean i i think i was raised to know the difference between right and wrong and if someone said you need to do these drugs i probably would have said no but like that's that's yeah. not at 20 like who has that voice to do that
0: oh a- absolutely and i think exactly what you said um is that people like us talking about these kind of things on this platform is a way that we can make a difference. We may not see mm-hmm. it, but someone out there might might hear it um, and give them the confidence to be able to to speak up. And and on that point, I mean, I, I'm certainly no expert, but I just want to say if if there is anyone out there who is listening and they've um, unfortunately been in a situation, then. Speak. Come and speak to me, and then I can. I don't know. Try and speak to the people who need to be spoken to. On the, I, I don't know. Like, if I can help one person, and I assume that you're the same, then this is totally worth talking about this to no end type of thing. Yes.
1: No. Hundred percent. And I think it goes for any, I mean, I don't know. I think the first step in any of those situations is just talking to someone versus internalizing it and yep. taking that all on yourself because that's a burden no one should have to bear. So. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, it's super disappointing that it, that it's an issue and that it happens. Um, I feel fortunate that it's nothing that I've personally had to deal with. Um, But yeah, it's, Mm. it's a bummer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, We could talk about this for a long time and maybe we'll do another podcast (laughs) and talk about it for an entire hour over two bottles of wine. (laughs) Uh, But <laughs> I do, I, I, I want to move on to other things. Um, and, and one of, I've just been making a couple of notes as we've been chatting and, um, I've written down Chris and I've circled it and circled <laughs> it again. And I've written, I've written cheerleader because I, I, you know, I need, I want to make sure that we, we can talk about him, um, before we end this podcast. Um, uh, I, I, think it's fair to say that he is, you, outside of Chimmy, he is your biggest cheerleader oh yeah 100% like
1: everything across the board um actually I would say the gift that Chris has given me is uh, one of many gifts but is that ability and that confidence to like believe in yourself and believe that you can do whatever you put your mind to he's like from the day I've met him the most positive person I've ever met And, um, to see that positivity in like his work ethic, in his passion for life. Um, yeah, it just definitely lights me up and it makes me want to be a better person. So, um, yeah, Chris is definitely, Chris and I were together long, I shouldn't say long, but we were together before triathlon. Um, and so he's seen the pre-triathlon Lindsay and now he's seen the triathlon Lindsay and we're, Married, we've been together 19 years. So I feel pretty confident in saying he's going to see the post triathlon Lindsay as well. (laughs) But yeah, um, yeah, definitely, um, he's not a triathlete for people that don't know that. But, um, I think it's, uh, it works for us and it's a good balance in our relationship. Um, and yeah, I feel fortunate. But at the end of my career, when I'm done, I hang up my hat. I will definitely say unequivocally that what i've achieved would not be possible without chris so and he's not a Asian. coach <laughs> he refuses to coach me like anytime i go to him for training advice he's like nope not your coach
0: <laughs> oh really
1: oh yeah there's a line in the sand <laughs> he doesn't wow. build or break down the bike he doesn't coach uh but he does plenty of other things so
0: it's good he knows his boundaries <laughs> Wait, who so who set those boundaries? You or him? Oh, Chris, for sure.
1: But it's kind of, <laughs> I kind of like it. Like I think people ask like how our relationship works. Like I said earlier, I'm a very independent person. I think Chris is too. You know, um he has yeah. no problem going he loves to go fishing and it's like, all right, you go fish, I'm going to go train for the day. We go our separate ways. We don't have to spend every single minute together. If I want to go train in Tucson yeah. and get ready for Kona in the heat, it's, you know, he's fine staying home. He just fishes his brains out. He works, um, watches football, you know. Yeah. So I, the it's just a relationship that works. I see how triathlon couples work and I see how we work and I just know for how we are and our personalities that we're, we're a match made in heaven.
0: <laughs> and it, it's interesting the – the different relationships you know a lot of people have have said to me um you know i can't believe you spend so much time away from your husband traveling working um for a couple of years there i was away for four to six weeks four to six not four to six (laughs) um (laughs) uh, weeks in you know doing european um events and covering events over there and but for us, it's very, very similar. We're quite independent. Um, you know, we value our time together, but we're okay with, you know, jets. Well, I'm the one that jets sets off. <laughs> Brett's very much a homebody. Exactly. Um, but, but it, yeah, it, it 100% works. But I can absolutely see other relationships that that wouldn't work for. But they're just different people, and that's okay. Yeah.
1: yeah no, definitely. And I, I
0: think that you hit the
1: nail on the head. Is that when you are together, you value that time. And you're so appreciative of it. And like, even today, Chris was gone all day. He left at 530 this morning. He just got home at 715. And I was texting him like, I really missed you today. So that's like, I know, like, I'm still, we're still in love. And yeah, it's good.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. How did you guys meet? Uh, so we met, I went to
1: school at UC Davis for about like a year, year and a half. And then I transferred to the university of Montana and, um, my sister was in the Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority. And so I moved right into the sorority and literally the day I moved to Montana, there was a knock on the door of the sorority house and I answered the door and it was Chris Corbin and it was snowing out. It was January. I like still remember he had on this Abercrombie and Fitch Argyle sweater and anyone that knows Chris <laughs> and has actually seen him in person, he has like a smile that's a mile wide with the whitest teeth anyone's yes. ever seen. And he's just huge smile. And in the Southern accent, he basically was looking for a job. And so he knocked on the door asking if we were hiring a dishwasher basically. <laughs> and i looked at him and my jaw just like dropped on the floor like it was all snowing out and he's in this argyle sweater and this beanie and these blue eyes and this huge smile and i was like you should definitely be our dishwasher (laughs) and so he got hired and he worked in the kitchen and he was in the fraternity down the street and it was like the best deal ever because he got to come to our house for three meals a day and he would do the dishes in the kitchen but um as uh it was, the job was described as a houseboy, and as a houseboy, like you pretty much only stayed in the kitchen or the dining room. And so I would like, and I was an athlete, so I'm in there getting like multiple plates of salad. Just any excuse to go in and out of the kitchen and see this Chris Corbin character. I was in, yeah. So,
0: yeah. oh, that is so cute. So, yeah. who who asked who out?
1: Uh, well, I had told all of Chris's buddies that I was into him and, um, he was telling his friends like, Oh, she's kind of a babe. I'm kind of into her. And his other buddy was like super into me. And he's like, you know, she just moved to town. Everyone's interested in her. Just lay low. And then word got around that I was interested in him. And then I don't even know. Somehow we ended up, we went to, um, this people in Australia won't understand this, but there's this restaurant here called the Cracker Barrel, and it's a chain of
0: it.
1: yeah it's a southern chain restaurant and so he picked me up for our first date and he had flowers the southern gentleman he opened the door for me like i bought a new outfit for this first date and i'm thinking where is he taking me like nicest place in town i'm sure and he gets in the car <laughs> and he looks over me and he says <laughs> in a southern accent you ever been to the cracker barrel <laughs> <laughs> i was like no and we went and he didn't even open the menu and he we both ordered breakfast for dinner so fun yes we had breakfast for dinner and then we went to the bowling alley and went bowling and that pretty much sealed the fate and that was 19 years ago pretty much coming up at the start of this year so
0: (laughs) oh my goodness when was the last time you went to a cracker barrel with him
1: Oh, we went – well, so they just put one in Bend, and that was a huge deal that they opened one here. Oh, God. And so we went uh, this summer, and we were a little disappointed. It was not nearly as nostalgic and as great as we have oh, remembered. Oh, no. Yeah, but
0: <laughs> still is a hell of a good story. <laughs> it is an awesome story. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that's so disappointing when things that you have just – the best memories of um especially around food yes. <laughs> and uh you finally go back so there's a and this is going to sound really bad but in tassie where i'm from there's a uh, like a chicken shop okay. that's called wait wait for it it's called mm-hmm. legs and breasts oh wow <laughs> <laughs> yep yep I'm and the they had, is it a
1: chain yes yeah,
0: it is a okay. chain, but it's just, it's just in Tasmania, I think. Um, okay. And yeah, we, like I, I used to go, when I used to go and play badminton after school, we would go to legs and breasts and get chips and gravy oh before gosh, we went and thing. played badminton. I'm it
1: as you're talking, legs and yep. breasts.
0: Yep. Okay. Yep. Carry on. And it was amazing. It was amazing. I lived on chips and gravy for probably four years. Um, and, I actually went, when I was pregnant, I all I wanted to eat was chips and gravy, and I went back home to Tassie for my brother's wedding, and I was like, that's exactly what I'm going to get, and it was so disappointing. Oh, no. I was so upset. The LNB. Yep. I've got it pulled up. LNB. Right? LNB. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, if you ever come back to Australia and we head to Tassie, I'm going to take you yeah. for disappointing chips and gravy. All right in <laughs> um okay so we have nearly been chatting for about an hour so it's it's almost time to wrap things up which sucks because i have so many more questions but i do have to ask questions that people sent in via the social media platforms All
1: right, rapid fire we got two and a half All minutes right. let's do it okay i'm
0: ready <laughs> um okay this is from kelly rodig how many words per minute can you type on a keyboard?
1: Oh, I don't know, but I'm a pretty avid, uh, quick, plenty, a lot.
0: <laughs> Do you know, Kelly? Is there a background to that?
1: No, but I, no, I oh. don't even know. Great That's question, interesting though. Question. Maybe she thinks I talk <laughs> fast or write a lot. I don't
0: know. <laughs> um,. Oh, This is from, I don't know if you've heard of her, a bit of a nobody, uh, Meredith Kessler, I think you say. I, so? She said, she's like, I sent in a
1: bunch, so I'm ready. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> she said, tell us more about Hazel and Blue, which is actually one of my questions. So here's your uh, moment to shine and plug. What is Hazel and Blue?
1: It needs to be resurrected. I started mm. it last year earlier this year, and I wanted to document some of the amazing foods that I eat and I prepare because I love food. And nearly every triathlete I meet also loves food. So I was like, all right, we can we need to marry this and bring it together. I started it and then things got really busy. And then I started second guessing myself. And then the whole like, confidence overthinking, like, should I do it? Should I not kind of went into play. And I, it's going to come back. I actually made these cheese biscuits last night for dinner. And I was like, hot damn, these are good. And Chris was like, just put it up and share it with the world. Like you're doing yourself a disservice, not sharing with the world, the amazing food that you make. And so I'm going to, it's going to, I don't even know if I need to take a poll of, should it come back? What do I need to do? I just need to find a way to find a way to do it that matches my time scale. So I think right. I was a little too ambitious at first of like, I'm going to post a recipe every week, blah, blah, blah. Like that isn't a sustainable business model for my current lifestyle, but yeah. I'm going to just start putting stuff out there and seeing what works and what doesn't. Uh, but yeah, essentially I eat a lot. I love food. I am passionate about sport nutrition. I think it plays a huge part um, in our sport of fueling our bodies. And then we didn't even get to talk about the whole body issue of being an athlete, but how nutrition plays into that. Um, yeah. So any way I can expand on that, I want to share that with others and I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. So I put out Hazel in Blue and it's going to work towards
0: that. <laughs> okay. Let me just say, and I can speak for everyone. We yeah. want to see more of it 100%, but don't okay. make it a stress. Remember you love it. So <laughs> yeah. don't... Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, I, oh, Meredith also said... And how you are such an amazing chef too. So I don't think that was actually a question. That's just more typical, <laughs> Meredith, just giving um, you a compliment. Compliment, uh, of course. Thank you, <laughs> Meredith. <laughs> She's good like that. Uh, okay, this is from. Uh, oh, hang on. Oh, I e fish o one said. Do you use a mantra when training, and if so, what? What is it?
1: Yes, I'm huge on. Mantras and I don't have one in specific. Um, I, I don't have one right now because it's off season, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm huge on, yeah, just phrases. Um, this year I used a lot of words like strength. Actually, a a phrase that I got from Jesse, my coach that I carry over a lot is strength and endurance pays off. And I feel like that summarizes me as an athlete right? Like I'm, I feel like I'm a very strong athlete. If you look at my stature and my build, I have strong legs. Um, I do a lot of strength work. Um, and I feel that I have an engine built for endurance, but late in the race, I think strength and endurance pays off. So that's a good one that I um, will channel a lot is, um, strength and endurance pays off.
0: Um, and then
1: another one that I love is I'm not done yet.
0: Ooh, that's a great Mic response drop. to a lot of things yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> right because that can be applied Definitely. to a lot of things right that can be like Absolutely. mid-interval and you've got 45 seconds left and you're just like i'm not done yet and just that phrase of like yeah it's not happening i'm not i've, I've still got more to give um yeah. it could be in a race you know where you think you're done and it's like no i'm not done yet i've got more to give Um, And it could be in life too, right? You're facing a difficult situation and it's wearing you down mentally. It's wearing you down physically. Um, Yeah, it's testing your patience. And if you just say to yourself, you know what? I'm not done
0: yet, not today. So not today, I I love it. I've used (laughs) that one recently. Well, in the last six months, I would say that one uh, or something like that has definitely kept me going with a few things. It's a good one.
1: I've heard an excellent one. And I haven't used it myself. Um, I heard it through Heather, who heard it through Rennie, which was <laughs> not today, Satan.
0: Oh, my God. I've heard that, too, and it is awesome. Now- <laughs> it is so good.
1: I was like, that's why Rennie is the champion of all champions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not now today, I'm- Satan. It's- <laughs> and you have to say, oh, it's from RuPaul, Bianca Del Rio. Oh, it's actually from something. Yes. Well, I mean, it could be from something else as well, but I definitely, I just Googled it then, so I'm cheating. But I definitely remember uh, Bianca Del Rio, who's one of the most popular RuPaul drag race champions. I remember him, him saying it. And I just, no, drag queen, you still say it's a he, I think. Unless they're in drag, I think. I apologise if I got that wrong, and I speaking of a whole other podcast, gender, yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But I think we'll leave that one there. Oh gosh, yeah, I don't know. I apologise if I have offended, and I'm more than happy for someone to correct me if I got that incorrect. But that is that is an awesome one. Okay, (laughs) trailer thirty three, and this question is brilliant. Uh, What kind of burger did you get? uh when you pulled out of the race recently
1: (laughs) that was like the most amazing thing ever because how many times in a race has someone been like i really wish i was eating a burger and fries right now"? totally and like that literally is pretty much what happened like i i felt horrible in the swim i'm telling way more of a story than they want to hear maybe you want to hear it but i felt horrible in the swim like terrible i was like this is a bad idea Got on the bike and I actually felt like pretty decent on the bike. And I'm like, all right, cranking along. This is going good. And I got to mile 80 and I just got super duper hungry. And I got to the far bike turnaround, which is uh, like around mile 90. And I was like, I could eat a chipotle burrito and chips and salsa right now and just be done. (laughs) And I went through all my fuel immediately, I pulled over, I asked to borrow someone's phone to call Chris to be like, should I just go like straight to the hotel? And he didn't answer. So then I had to get to transition. And then I called Chris from the change tent to be like, I'm not running. Like, I'm so hungry. I feel horrible. I don't feel like jogging a marathon. Like I don't think that's going to be good for myself or my body or my off season. And, uh, he was like, well, just come to me. I'm at the mill Avenue bridge or whatever. It's like a mile one. And so I jogged over to him and Jesse and we had a little powwow and we're all in agreement of like, okay, you got to pull the plug. And then we're like, well, what should we do now? And literally the (laughs) in and out burger was like across the bridge. So we walked across the bridge. And then another side story is, um, Heather Jackson was out on the race course and she was coming under the bridge as we were walking across it and I wanted oh, yes. to yell something at her and I have a video I'll just send it to you if you want to post it but I basically yelled at the top of my lungs under his eye <laughs>
0: <laughs> She <laughs> actually just sent me that
1: video. Oh yes yeah. so good um and then so, yeah, so I just, good I just walked right into the in and out burger and I got the I always get the same thing there, which is a burger with grilled onions and the in and out sauce and a chocolate shake and French fries. And it like, didn't even phase me that like, you're still in your race kit. And like, literally I had, I took my race belt off when I was in line. Um, and (laughs) I ate my burger and, um, I don't know if this is appropriate, but well, um, we went back to the hotel and while everyone was still running the marathon, um, we had my, wetsuit bag that my roca wetsuit goes in and it's mesh you know so if you put a wet wetsuit in it it, um, the wetsuit can drain through and we filled the bag with ice and and beer and went to the pool (laughs) and drank beers and watched the race online and just toasted to the off season (laughs) me chris and my coach Jeffy. um i love it yeah
0: and that was it (laughs) so if you're gonna put out pull out of a race that is the way to do it
1: I know. I just owned it. It's like, at least you do it in style. It's like the one thing everyone thinks about doing, but nobody ever does it. But then I did it. And I love how many people were like, how'd you pay for it? Like who who Uh, was (laughs) taking the picture? Like, no, I don't race with a credit card. I don't race with cash. And I didn't ask a stranger to pay for it. Chris paid
0: for it. (laughs) Oh, that is brilliant. I didn't even think about asking that, but good question. Yeah. Multiple
1: people were like, how'd you pay for that?
0: (laughs) That's when you just stroll up and you go, don't you know who I am? Yeah, No, no. that's when you stroll yeah. up and you're like, if I'm in here in a race kit, just feed me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a poor, hungry, starving triathlete. Yeah. Uh, on on uh, the whole burger thing as well, I've never had an In-N-Out burger. Um, oh, they're pretty they're, good. Yeah, they're kind of a big deal, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, if I am eating healthy and want a burger, well, I mean, some people would say a burger's not healthy, but... If I, like I'm training and I'm craving a burger, like we'll go to a pub and get like a good pub burger. And I wouldn't say In-N-Out is on par with a pub burger. But if you're going to yep. eat fast food and you've basically just done three quarters of an Ironman or a massive training day, I would go to In-N-Out before McDonald's or any of the other fast food. Like they hand cut their fries and yeah, they're pretty legendary.
0: Right. Good to know. I'm going <laughs> to keep that in mind. Yes. Um, all right. We've got to- We've got sorry, three more questions. Okay. I love that this was meant to be rapid fire, but I think we're going on about ten minutes here. Uh, yeah, pretty standard I had a, from a me. Story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Twenty twenty goals for racing. Have you thought about that yet? Have you had a beer uh, in front of a pool with your coats to discuss such things? I actually
1: haven't put a ton- I have a few ideas in mind, but this is the first year where I got to the end of the year and I was like, you know what? I just need to be done. And I, I told Jesse, my coach, I was breaking up with him for a good four to six weeks. (laughs) I was like, he (laughs) he's on it. He, if it was up to him, I would be like in training peaks right now, logging my easy exercises and whatever. But I just, and that's pretty much why I didn't finish Arizona was I just was like, you know what? I mentally just, I've had a, a long year, outside of racing yeah. and then racing on top of it. So I need a little refresh. I'm going to do some different things this winter, like some skiing. And um, I've been doing a lot of yoga and I'm just going to hit a reset so I can hit the ground running in 2020. But um, I'll definitely be doing yeah. a few Ironmans because that's my passion. I think that's my strength mm-hmm. as an athlete um, and Kona. Um, I just don't know where yet. So, and I'm, I would go back to Wisconsin, but they took that off the schedule. So now I got to like rework everything. Yeah.
0: Ruined everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Unbelievable.
0: (laughs) Um, Okay. Two more questions. Um, Is Chimmy going to have puppies? No, Chimmy's fixed or
1: I don't know what girls get, but she's not not having puppies.
0: (laughs) Uh, I think there was a lot of people who would be knocking on your door. Oh, uh, I know, but Chimmy, I have the Chimmy breeder's option. name,
1: so if you're interested in her ah, and the other Goldens that come from the breeder look a lot
0: like Jimmy. Oh, she's just so delicious. Cuddlebug. <laughs> she's very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, last question from the fans. This is from <laughs> Ray, Ray He, hi, I don't know. R-A-E-H, and then there's about seven eyes. Oh, okay. So, uh, yep. When When is she doing new YouTube clips with country music? I love them.
1: Oh, you know, I was the original mover, one of the original movers to the YouTube, social media, all of that. And... then I kind of moved away and I've still all about social media, but I feel like I moved to, I definitely know I moved away from the YouTube. They were kind of a lot of work and that was coming from Chris's end. And Chris got busy with real work (laughs) Um, (laughs) afterwards. And I, I have mixed thoughts on video. Like I think the videos are good and Mm. I get a lot of compliments on them. But then at the same time, I think that we're in like, even now social media has changed to like, who's got time to watch a video right? Like it's social yeah. media becomes such a time suck that um, mm. I I get more, you know, for me, it's like do it if you enjoy it. And I get more like passion out of the, the photos. Um, I think my biggest goal or what I would like to convey through social media is storytelling and telling my story and owning my story. And um, yeah. yeah, I think YouTube is a good platform for that. But at the same time, like I feel like so many athletes now are like, check out my YouTube channel and I like to be a little different. So, um, yeah. but I definitely get people that are like, I loved your videos. So I don't know if you've got creative ideas of something different than YouTube that you want me to try, reach out, let me know. And I will give it a try.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Good thing yeah. you've got, uh, Chris in your corner doing yeah, amazing I w- videos. I wish and we photos. could take a
1: poll. Like what's the vibe on TikTok?
0: Oh yeah. See, I've seen that pop up here and there. I, like, thought that I think was just that a that's thing, the next but-
1: big rage thing is TikTok. And I, I'm not on board with it yet um, because I can't dance or sing, but I feel like TikTok's coming. I don't know. I need to figure out what the next thing is and I'm going to try to, to get yeah. on it. I don't know. So yeah, if we can take a reader, a uh, listener poll, TikTok, yay or nay.
0: <laughs> okay. I, we'll, we'll find out. Um, um yeah, and if you've listened this nothing far,
1: like, Props, we're almost an hour 15 in. You rule, thanks for listening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so, well, you've basically just r- wrapped us up. So, thank you. Usually that's my job, but I appreciate it. Um, oh, we can
1: keep going, you can wrap it up. <laughs>
0: You you know, we definitely could keep going and I am definitely going to hit you up for another podcast at some stage. Uh, but I can see on my monitor that Frankie's awake now, so I have to go and uh, hang out with her. Uh, or I could just send Henry in. He, he's becoming a pretty good babysitter. Um, but I need to say to you, don't hang up yet because we'll lose all of our audio. So I'm going to sign off, um, and hit stop, but don't, don't go anywhere. Okay. I'll be right here.
1: Thanks for listening too. Everyone that's listened, reach out. I'll answer your questions and see you in 2020.
0: Love it. it. And also let her know um, what social media platform is the next thing, uh, what your thoughts are on Hazel and Blue. um, And if you have anything that you'd like, Lindsay, to maybe tackle in the kitchen, (laughs) would you do that? Yeah. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, okay, thank you so much, my friend. Um, I'm actually really happy that I found uh, find, found out a lot more about you because I know you reasonably well, but I found out a lot more. Good in this chat. Yeah, thanks for
1: having me. I'm sorry I didn't ask you more. <laughs> Unbelievable. We need to turn the script on you.
0: Right, would you like to interview me one day?
1: We we need to make it happen.
0: All right. Someone needs to interview you. <laughs> okay, we'll make it happen. I'm really not that interested. All right, deal. I'm only interesting because of the people that I talk to. That's it. Please. I'll stop it. All right. I've got to hit stop. Stop talking. Okay, bye. Okay. Bye. Don't go anywhere. Bye. bye. Adios.
1: <laughs> Ciao.
0: <laughs> I'm actually teaching Frankie how to say hello in heaps of different languages. Um, I'm not very oh, good at it. But bonjour. Bonjour. Yeah, it's great. She has no idea what I'm talking about. And who knows what her first official word's going to be. Um but I hope it's as cool as your first sentence. Okay, we've got to go. Stop. All right. Stop. Bye. (laughs) Wait. Before you hit stop on this episode of the Wits Up podcast, which was an absolute cracker, I – well, in my humble opinion, I thoroughly enjoy talking to Lindsay um, whenever we get a chance to catch up, Uh, but I really enjoyed chatting to her about many different things – but i think the i guess the underlying theme for this episode was um you know about owning your own story and i really i really enjoyed the direction that this podcast went um and it also uh, i learned a lot more about lindsay as well uh so yeah from me personally i thoroughly enjoyed our chat i hope you enjoyed it too and on that note please make sure that you hit subscribe on the wits up podcast so that you don't miss out on more awesome chats with awesome people. Um, you know, so whatever platform you're on, make sure you subscribe, leave a comment, let us know what you think about the podcast, what we can do better. I'm always open to uh, constructive criticism. Uh, give us a rating as well. That'd be fantastic. We need to get the podcast out. Uh, to more people. Um, also, if you haven't heard or seen or read or whatever, uh, we launched the Wits Up Patreon website. So if you are keen to support what we're doing here with the podcast, but uh, what we're doing on our many different uh, platforms, uh, jump onto the Wits Up Patreon website. There's a link on witsup.com uh, and become a Supporter, We'd really appreciate uh, any support that you can throw our way so that we can continue uh, to give female athletes the platform that they deserve uh, and that we can hopefully encourage more women to get involved in the sport that we all love. Uh, now, next week. We are chatting to Paula Finlay, which I'm really excited about. I haven't had a chat to Paula in quite some time, so I'm really keen uh, to catch up with her and see how she is tracking uh, and I guess learn a lot more about her as well. I think that's about it for me. We also, sorry, sorry. <laughs> It's typical me. I always start to wrap things up and then I come up with another idea. Uh, we, a few weeks ago, launched our very first Wits Up Expert podcast, which was with Amber Johnson of First Wave Fitness. She's a strength and conditioning expert. And we will have some more experts coming up soon. I hope to drop one before the end of this year, uh, but we'll just see how we go. You know what this time of year is like. It is madness. Uh, all right. So I will... I guess speak to you next week.